Welcome to Using Your Power. I'm David Andrew and joining me as always is... Maveen Cora. How's it going, Maveen? I'm doing good, David. Just, you know, uh, ready to record today and lots of things on my mind. So I'd love to uh, just kind of get some of those things out and see how we can uh, help people. Considering today's topic, it's not surprising <laughs> that there's a lot on your mind. And if you're just joining us, well, we're going to be talking about entitlement. And there actually are a few different definitions of entitlement and a few different meanings we attach to it. Like most of the time when we think of entitlement, we're just thinking of people that like, you know, maybe were brought up on a trust fund and <laughs> they feel they're deserving of absolutely everything. But we want to go a little deeper than that. So the dictionary defines entitlement. There's basically three different definitions. One is the the fact or having a right to something, which in and of itself is not a bad thing, right? Two, the amount to which a person has a right, which is a lot like the first definition. And then three is the one that we typically associate with entitlement these days, the belief that one is inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment. Yeah, no, you're right. I think the third one is the the biggest one that we see in everyday society is people thinking that they deserve something more than other people. Uh, absolutely, you know, it's that uh, like you said, it's that I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth, you yeah. know, or you know, my parents are ultra wealthy or whatnot, right? And it might not even be that. Like, I think part of this quote unquote entitlement generation is the idea that like almost everybody is somewhat privileged and still feeling deserving of everything. But I, I think, you know, a lot of what we used to see was maybe the trust fund baby or silver student in your mouth kind of phenomena. Do you think that's changed quite a bit, David? I don't know if that's changed, but I, what I do know is that, you know, the millennials have been called kind of the entitlement generation. We just think we, we are deserving of a better job. We are deserving of more pay. I think it's not bad to see things that way, but if you're not willing to work for it, if you're not willing to do anything about it, I'm sorry, like, you, you know, everybody that came before you worked very very hard right maybe generation x or even even before that like the baby boomers were known for work ethic right. that's another thing we'll get into but absolutely and you know it's funny you said work ethic because i think they worked very tough the baby boomers and now you know if you've worked that many years you should sometimes feel entitled to getting more than what you potentially have right and you're right we'll get into that and kind of where things are going well for some people and where, you know, maybe the government and uh, we as a society have maybe failed with the entitlement. Yeah. Or maybe where we need some adjustment in our thinking. The first thing that I think is really important to consider with entitlement is expectations. So where are your expectations coming from? And, and have you ever actually, you know, stopped to think about where those expectations are coming from? I think you can have like expectations for yourself and about what you're going to do to achieve your goals or what you're going to do to bring yourself closer to where you want to be in the future. But expectations for others can so often be misplaced. Like in leadership, it's a whole other thing where people will rise to the level of your expectations. But in personal relationships, it doesn't work that way, does it? Like I haven't found that you can have that you can have expectations for others, but the problem with that is like unspoken expectations become premeditated resentment. That was something like my counselor told me a long time ago, and I was like, "Yeah, that's so true." Like if we don't express them early, like especially in relationships, 
and and spouses and and whoever your your significant other is if you don't express what you're expecting from them really you're just giving yourself a license to premeditate resentment for them you know you're right and once i think that uh, resentment gets in then people have a very tough time uh, getting out of that too sometimes right because your ego steps in and that's going to be one of my points that i'll bring up in a little bit here down the road as we're chatting but uh, you're 100 percent right on that yeah i think that's really all i have to say about about expectations just that we need to recognize if your expectations are for yourself for your team or for others you know, people that you're connected to, people that you have a friendship or a personal relationship with, it's important to differentiate. Because again, in leadership, it is always sad. I think John Maxwell even says it, that people will rise to the level of your expectations. And that's not necessarily true if they're not communicated. Right. I think, you know, just kind of tying back to our last episode um, with one of the questions you asked to right? you know, where are your expectations coming from? I think if you sit down with yourself and really uh, maybe even meditate on that and say, you know, where are these expectations of entitlement coming from uh, that I feel I should have? Right. And and you'll see that, you know, there's many different places, you know, and we'll get into that, too, where where that you will see that uh, you're being bombarded by by uh, different places in society as well. You're right. I, that's a great point because I think you could also like just journal about it and that can also bring a lot of clarity to where those expectations are coming from. But yeah, the key point being that you need to consider the source because if it's if it's not coming from, from a place of your deep your deeper self the the self that understands how the world works the 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 self that that has a deeper awareness of spirituality then it's probably coming from this place of well i'm a physical being and i deserve physical stuff (laughs) (laughs) absolutely you know one of the things uh, i wanted to bring up to david here was uh, the idea of having control over other people because you feel entitled to having something right that other people don't have um Hmm. you know i think control is a way that people use to really keep people down in society you know i I feel i i I feel bad if i'm being a little bit of a bummer saying that but (laughs) i think if you look around all around us you know there are people who once they achieve certain levels of of uh, in their business or in life they feel that they can control other people because they feel that they've worked so hard now they're entitled to um being that the best and most knowledgeable person and having that control over people um, allows them to feel maybe good about themselves. I'm not too sure. Well, and we've had those discussions actually about control being power and power coming from money. And that's why the people that are in control are interested in in those things because they can have power over things. Like if it wasn't money and if it was some other thing, I'm I'm guessing that those people that like that control, that like that power would go after that other thing as opposed to money. But money is one of the things that gives people a lot of control. So that's a very interesting point. Absolutely. What's what do you got next on there? I've got work ethic. So I already alluded to it a little bit earlier, but it's this idea of like, how hard are you willing to work for what you want? Are you willing to work towards your dreams or for your dreams? And also like what are your dreams and that might be also a question of awareness and expectations like we just talked about 
where are your dreams coming from? Actually, this is a really interesting conversation that we had at a recent uh, question gathering. It's one of the communities that I'm a part of, and we were just there on Sunday. But the entire presentation was kind of based around a conversation that he'd had with one of his friends about like they're not their dreams not coming true, and his thoughts on it are very interesting. Like is your identity tied to your dream or do you, are you the one that gets to to define what your dream is or, or are you already predestined in a way like we're none of us are predestined. We all have a choice, but like in, in a sense, are we all predestined to like achieve a particular goal? Is it already part of our identity? And we only have to discover that. So that to me was really interesting conversation and would recommend you have a look at that as well. And the other thing about work ethic is just, are you waiting for everything to fall into your lap? And, you know, there are, I I think we talked about personal development in episode one, the secret, I think is another topic that we have to get into, or at least the law of attraction and how that all works. Some people, you know, are of the opinion that you can just sit and think about attracting things into your life and then they will just come if you have all the positive thoughts and, to to an extent, like I can't deny, I know successful people that meditate four hours per day. Uh, is there a correlation? I don't know for sure, but it seems to me that there is some kind of correlation. But I also th- think that they're probably getting up very early and they're working really hard throughout the rest of the day. And that's why they, they, they need that four hours of meditation just to kind of gather a bearing on like thinking big. What do I need to do? Like what strategic things do I actually need to do to have the business that I want, to have the house that I want, to have the relationships that I want? And that does and will require some pretty deep thinking. So those are some thoughts on work work ethic. You know, one of the things, David, you said um, that really, you know, a couple of uh, sentences back was talking about when people have goals and they set these goals and they start working towards them. You know, as soon as I think a lot of people set a goal, they feel entitled to the end result. You know, I think that's one thing that I feel because I think we live in a society here that doesn't really want us to accept failure and continue to you know work towards something that we're working on building so you know when we when we get to that stage of success we can say hey look look what i did right get that sense of entitlement through uh you know even accomplishment right which is not a bad thing but again what makes us think that you know one that we're always going to accomplish everything that we set out for we and, aren't and, you know once you set out for that goal you know we as people we have we do fail and that's where we learn from as well right either to continue with our goal by you know failing and learning and adjusting and trying something new or you know if we do fail and say you know what maybe that wasn't necessarily the best idea we can now adjust our course of action and focus in a different direction right but if you feel entitled to your end you know and um connected to that end result then you know you will feel that you may be better than other people as you are working harder than others too that's a really interesting point. And something that, that came to mind about about that was that we have a really bad goal setting model. Like, what is this? And I'm touching on something I'm really passionate about here. What is this smart goal thing? Why is that good? Can you tell me why that's good? Why is the smart goal method good? It's basically saying specific, which I totally agree with. Measurable, if possible, yes, it should be measurable, the money amount. The, the part that I usually have problem with is timely or time bound. So saying that I can accomplish by 
this date. Sorry, I don't think you're that smart. I don't think anybody is that smart to figure out when it will happen. And, and you know, you're right. Like if you're entitled to accomplishing that goal or if you feel entitled to accomplishing that goal, I'm sorry, like that much of that may not happen even if you do work really hard for it. And there's many people that have tried and failed like Thomas Edison, although they did eventually accomplish their goal because they were persevering and they, they, they knew that there was a way they just had to find a way. I think the, the, the idea of measuring uh, your results in time um, don't necessarily have to apply towards your big goal. I do feel that it, they can apply towards your smaller step-by-step goal as you work towards the big picture. Uh, you know, just having, I think the idea of having a, a timeline is really just to help keep you focused. It's not necessarily set in stone, but, you know, if you yeah. can accomplish it, by that day or before that day or after that day there's nothing wrong with it as long as you're working towards accomplishing that goal right it's really just to kind of give you that guideline as you uh, you know as anybody works towards um you know developing a website or you know selling products or you know especially if you're in sales right you want to be able to try to close certain Uh, prospects by you know sometimes by the end of the month or by the end of the quarter because sometimes that's what your um you know your paycheck's connected to well i agree on that point and i think it's good to have deadlines and then but the other day was like the perfect example because i was having the blue screen of death on my computer well that meant that i didn't get you know the blog post that i needed to get done till later at night then not the same day client probably would not have noticed anyway but it's still one of those things where i didn't meet that deadline because of outside circumstances so that's part of why we're not that smart but i think you're also right in saying that you can adjust so you're allowed to set a date and then say well you know it's flexible right and you know you made me think of that quote right life is what happens to you when you're when you're working yeah. or what or as you when go you're busy to, doing other things yeah <laughs> when you're busy other doing other things right it's it's dealing with what comes up right yeah we we all know what we want to accomplish in a perfect world i think we would be able to accomplish you know what we have set out to to do but you know there's so many other factors there's so many other people that can and technology like and you said you know with your example that can hinder you from getting your you know your goals accomplished but if you stay on top of it and just deal with things as they come and that's you know those are the kind of the things I'm learning too right now as I'm as I'm developing my own business right you know sometimes I just want to see the results right away and yeah. you know day one I should see all the results I'm, I'm entitled to those results right away but you know you can't be entitled without putting in the work right a spirit of entitlement can also be tied to a very specific attitude so and your attitude is kind of your outlook on life but it also it's something you have complete control over and we don't like to think of it that way we don't like to think of our attitude as being something within our control we just say you know it's our upbringing or whatever and don't get me wrong everything impacts you the tv you've been watching the people you've been hanging out with your parents your teachers whoever you've looked up to or whoever has been an mentor figure like those things are just burned into your mind but i'd still like to think like your attitude is something that you have control over and so it's really partly about how do you perceive yourself how do you look at yourself what do you believe about yourself that makes you worthy 
right? I think self-worthiness is a whole other subject that could be covered in the podcast and a really important one because if you don't feel worthy, then you just simply won't take the actions to validate that, whether it's just like asking someone out that you're afraid of asking out or going for a gig that you didn't know that you could have, but you didn't go for because you didn't perceive yourself in, in that way. And another thing about attitude is like how others perceive you. So first you got to look at how you perceive yourself and then how others perceive you. I'm sorry, but like if you come to me as somebody that feels deserving or, or of certain privileges or special treatment, I'm probably not going to give that to you. In fact, there's a chance that I might even ignore or block you because you're persistent in a way that's really bad. There is such thing as good persistence and, and bad persistence. And so you have to be aware, I think, if you have this entitlement, how others are looking at you, how others are perceiving you, because if your attitude is all, all me, 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 I think people are not going to like being around you that much. You know, th- that's... Uh Fairly good point. Now, I just want to give you a slightly different thought process, right? Just coming from the world of sales, you know, there is something that's important with being persistent and having that go-getter attitude and, you know, sending people consistent emails and trying to, uh, you know, connect to the person that you need to connect to, you know. Well, I kind of agree more, yeah. Yeah, you're not doing it necessarily in a way to be bothersome, although it may come off to the person reading the emails or receiving those phone calls from you, but, you know, you're in the end trying to uh, receive a paycheck, right? You know, I've done that where I've consistently called all the same people over and over and sent the same emails or different emails and just introducing myself, telling them why I'm emailing them, uh, you know, and I, I've come to the conclusion sometimes you got to continually do it until they tell you to stop, right? And, yeah. you know, especially in sales, you know, you can't expect a no until they tell you, right? If you say, oh, you know, three emails in, oh, they're not going to, you know, they're probably not interested. They haven't got back to me. Well, we don't really know what's... Um, you know, what's going on in the lives of these people that we're trying to get in contact with, right? I've heard of um, businesses, just in other podcasts that I've listened to, people who have consistently put out, uh, con- you know, email after email, 20 or 30 or even 100 different emails to the person said, oh my God, thank you so much for being persistent and getting back, you know, staying, trying to be in contact with me. Yes, I'd love to meet with you or, you know, have a a phone conversation or a Skype conversation with you so we can discuss that product that you want to talk to me about, right? And people sometimes do enjoy that uh, attitude of getting and being a go-getter attitude. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But what I'm talking about is if somebody is entitled and they're in the position of sales A, they might not do that, right? That's the first possibility is they probably won't even put in the work because they feel entitled to it. Or B, they're going to say, hey, man, like, why aren't you giving your, your money? I deserve it. Like, I've earned it already. Give me my money. So like uh, somebody that's entitled is going to go to one of those two extremes. What you're talking about is somebody who's like actually passionate about sales. I think you you nailed it. And and that's where it is, right? If you're passionate about what you're doing, by doing the work, you will get the results, which will then help you feel, and I put that in quotations, entitled to your results. But it's by putting in that work. If you have somebody... I think that's more an issue of worthiness over entitlement. Right. So if you have somebody come to your table uh, that you're working at, you know, I was selling cars, for example. If, If every single person I felt, you know, I was entitled to sell the car to every single person just because they sat in my desk... You know, I would have had way more sales. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, so what's the, what's your next point there? Uh, you know, one of the next points I have is uh, something I'm, uh, I'm interested in talking with about is uh, government help, right? Mm. A lot of people I find, you know, especially in North America are in, you know, feel this sense of entitlement to get help from the government if they are not uh, in a position that they're doing as well. You know, it is a very interesting topic I find. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, a, there's, there's a, a an argument for both sides of the story, right? Where we should be taking care of people who are not uh, taking care of themselves. And then there's the idea of, you know, not take, not necessarily not taking care of people, but letting people, you know, if you choose that you want to be a drug addict and not take care of yourself, then, you know, that's really your own doing. You know, why should society take care of you? Because you decide not to take care of yourself, right? So there are, is a very interesting uh, conversation, but, you know, I did want to talk a little bit about the government and, and how we feel entitled by them, right? I know in Canada, for example, we have probably the best healthcare system in the world. You know, where I don't know about that. Well, I feel that, you know, I've have never had to pay go to the US and you're paying 30, 40% or 30, $40,000 for a cast. I don't know if I'd pay $40,000 for a cast. Uh, I'd probably never wear a cast and my arm would probably look deformed. But in Canada, I can go to the doctor, I can get the cast put on, the doctor will take it off and my bone will heal normally, right? Is a reason we also buy health insurance when we travel to other companies or countries, right? But it's that sense of entitlement within our own country, I find. And this is just my own opinion. You know, I love our personality. I do like our healthcare system because I can go in and get stuff, you know, taken care of if I ever get sick or if I break a bone or I end up in a hospital with, God forbid, any cancer. You know, I can go take get that taken care of where in other countries I, I may not have that sense you of, may not qualify yeah. yeah no i agree i think we actually have the best possibly in north america i i think there are actually much better healthcare systems in europe than than in canada but i i see your point i think there's a huge contrast between america like us and canada and anybody that comes here will will soon figure that out but based on everything that i've seen and heard i, I have to believe that there are some better healthcare systems in, in Europe. And also it's a thing of like, I've been to so many doctors here who don't care. Like they're just there and they'll be like, yeah, it looks like you might have this, just take this. Like <laughs> that, that's not healthcare to me. Whereas somebody that's like a natural path or, or a nutritionist can give you a more holistic view of your health. Why what's connected to what, not just like, okay, here's a here's a pill to treat a symptom, but here's a solution to like, okay, you're feeling an immense amount of pressure to succeed. And that's why your back is now, now hurting. Uh, that's interesting. So where's that pressure coming from? And then you can begin to diagnose that. Right. And you know, and my main thinking was, you know, when I, when I first initially came up with this idea of entitlement for, with government help was all the people who don't, take responsibility for themselves you know there's people that are out there smoking you know two packs a day and then develop cancer and now our healthcare system has to help them because they've decided to go out and you know i understand it's an addiction it's not easy to get over and you know in the big picture yeah we got to do something about these companies that are allowed to sell cigarettes to people and get them addicted to these products and that's i mean a totally different uh, conversation but <laughs> it's you know, very exactly very similar to that pharmaceutical conversation we were having um but you know once 
if you decide to allow yourself to smoke two packs a day and I decide never to smoke any cigarettes, why should you feel entitled to the Canadian healthcare system to take care of you? Right. That, mm. That's kind of what my thought process was on that one. I don't not, even think that's the worst of it. No, absolutely not. And that's just, I mean, a part of it. And it's just an example in it. Right. Yeah. Now, you know, am I going to probably hear some backlash on it? Probably. Right. <laughs> but it's really just to get people to think about, you know, their life choices. Right. And when you think about the choices you make in life, you know, drinking, if you're drinking, you know, a bottle of uh, you know Jack Daniels every night and then get liver cancer and need a liver transplant. Well, is it fair that you you get that liver or is it you know why should you feel entitled to get that liver over somebody who who took care of themselves but their liver just failed naturally right who should get that liver it's a very hard decision to make you know the person who did nothing and took care of themselves you know or the person who drank their liver to get that disease and now they can't live without it right who would you give it to and it's not an easy answer but you know it's something to discuss Absolutely. And I think part of my worldview is that nobody's going to take care of me. Nobody has my retirement in mind. Nobody has my wealth or my prosperity or my well-being or my goodness in mind. Only I have that in mind for me. Like where you are invested in other people, like I'm invested in you, Maveen, and yeah, I know absolutely. you're probably invested in me. But And that's a really good relationship. But for the most part, I, I don't see you know the government playing a major role in my future now granted if for some reason i became incap incapacitated or unable to work would i then depend on the government more than likely yes uh but for the most part my thought process is well they're going to tax me a ton so i'm going to make a ton and then hopefully that ton you know the portion that goes to the government goes to serve other people in a good way absolutely <laughs> which unfortunately we we have no guarantee that it does. The government spends the money how they see fit or see it as being most important. Like they have their own priorities. I have my own priorities, but that's, that's kind of my view of it. Whereas you're right. There's people that will look for assistance for EI. Uh, I guess that's like employee insurance for our, our friends in the States and outside of Canada. People go, go looking for that. Like they deserve it or pension programs or like 401ks, all that kind of stuff. People feel they they're deserving of. And part of it is like, we've been lied to, you know, there's no, there's no reason there. Government is not interested in taking care of you. The government's not interested in maintaining a pension program. The government's not interested in paying out money when you can't work or when you have seasonal work, they're only interested in furthering the priorities for the country. Yeah, you know, you're right. Um, the the one thing, too, that I find with the government, too, I know right now with Alberta, because we're both living in Alberta, you know, oil country, uh, you know, the biggest thing out here is the, you know, the last three years, people have been talking about a recession and, you know, EI, for for sure, the unemployment insurance that people get. Now, they do pay into these uh, this unemployment insurance off their, you know, their paychecks each month in the hopes that they can also collect, you know, if they ever need it, right? Um, but, you know, and, and in certain instances, absolutely it is a great help to get it so i mean if you pay into something then i do feel you are entitled to receive from it if you're not paying into it then why are you receiving from it um you know you should it's like that concept of putting in and then taking from right and whatever you put in you'll get from it right so it is is a very interesting conversation i mean i can 
technically I'd love to argue both sides of the story because I love playing devil's advocate to myself sometimes. But I think there is, you know, a place that you can be entitled for things as well, as long as you put into it, right? Like we were talking about in sales, you put in the effort, you should be entitled to the results, not before you put in the effort. I think that is like a broken system with unemployment insurance though, because we're talking about insurance and we all know that like paying into insurance most of the time, we don't get anything back from insurance. Like you could speak to that maybe because you've been in insurance sales. Yeah, absolutely. Did six years of insurance and (laughs) and absolutely right. And the idea of insurance again is to help the, you know, everybody pays, the masses pay to help the few that need the help. Right. Right. So, I mean, that, that, that concept itself makes sense, but you know, when you're hit with multiple natural disasters in multiple areas, you know, not only just in your, in, in your province or in your state, but throughout your country you know how many people are going to continue to pay and and it's a very interesting topic that i'd love to talk about too is uh insurance down the road (laughs) as well cool man i want to talk about upbringing i think we already alluded to this point a little bit when we mentioned the silver spoon or a trust fund baby and obviously there's there's no i don't think there's any way of getting around it it's just it plays into this whole entitlement thing because like but you have to recognize too, as like maybe a generation Y or a generation Zer, that your parents paid a price and they want you to succeed. They want you to live your dream. They want you to go for it. But like they they see that you want it, but they see that you, that you don't want it bad enough because you're not putting in the time or effort. So what were you brought up to believe? That's another thing, you know, journaling or meditation topic that you might want to bring to yourself and also question it. Ask yourself whether or not those beliefs are supporting you in the direction that you ultimately want to go in. And a similar idea, which is what beliefs were instilled in you along the way, what teachers, what mentors, what, what counselors said to you and are they actually legitimate? You know, the thing about there's a there's a saying in entrepreneurship and i'm probably going to butcher it 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 might even be like a quote by somebody famous but i don't know the thing that keeps going around is if if you let other people dictate what you're going to do in your life you'll realize how surprisingly little other people have for you to do and i think that totally plays into this idea of entitlement if you let others dictate and that's basically what you're doing by saying I'm entitled to everything. So I don't have to work for it. That's basically what you're saying. So those are some questions that might want to pose yourself. If you find that you're feeling deserving of privilege privileges or special treatment, just because you are you. Right. You know, while you're, you're chatting here, uh, David, one of the things I thought about was how I was actually brought up with my parents. Mm. Right. And, uh, I just kind of, Looked, thought about it and I thought about maybe so how some of my friends were brought up uh, when I was back in high school as well right so I mean there are very different ways of bringing people up I know um, there's the, the, the certain model where parents don't want their kids to feel entitled and part of it I do agree with right where it's this uh, you're 18 years old now and you're out the door right so you know we're not gonna give you everything because nothing was given to us right, right. kind of a, a kind of idea of entitlement or non-entitlement in this case Um, you know 
And then there's this the the case of where the way I was brought up, you know, being brought up in Indian uh, East Indian family, the idea is to really work together sometimes and allow the the children to stay at home until whatever age they need to, so they can go out and then become successful as well, right? So giving them some of the things that the parents actually didn't have either growing up, but just kind of giving it to the kids to allow them to use that, you know. Um, to become successful down the road, right? So both of them are giving, I think, great uh, learnings or teachings to their kids, right? Where one is, hey, go out and make something of yourself. And two is, hey, stay at home and make something of yourself, right? Where both of them are great ways and both of them have their place, but it's really just on how the, 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 the I guess we as, you know, when we're going through that situation, decide to use that, right? I see a lot of people who are 18 and out of the door and don't use that, you know, to be responsible. They really become irresponsible then and yeah. feel entitled for the government to take care care of them because of all the bad decisions they made or on the flip side there is the 18 year olds that maybe you know or they're not necessarily 18 because sometimes the parents will say to them hey if you're in school you're in college or whatnot we'll you know well you can stay under our roof but as soon as you're out you're out the door as well right so but there are using that um, time to educate themselves and become a better person so they can be successful down the road in whatever path they choose to go down yeah. I mean, it can be tough because it can feel unfair, right? Like your parents are making your decision for you. I remember that was kind of my case. It's like, you're either going to school or you're working and you know, there's no choice in the matter. You don't get to take a, a gap here. And there's a lot of conversation too about like whether or not a gap here is a, is a good idea, but you're right. Some people learn from it, become better for it. And some people actually take it the wrong way and and then they blame their parents and they blame everybody else for everything that's gone wrong in their life and they don't actually get the lesson so i think it is like it depends on the person we always have to interact or or think carefully about the kind of person or who our children are or who our parents are in order to empower them empowering means very different things to different people mm-hmm. well you're right you know just uh, you know, even if you go out and you're just kind of using the same example, if you go out at 18 and you make something of yourself, you did technically empower your parents' decision. I agree. Right? Because they can say, hey, look, you know, I had a hand in making my son or daughter successful because I gave them that push they needed to go out and become something, right? And vice versa, you know, it, you know, I was able to stay at home, you know, as long as I needed to, right? Until I decided it was right time for me to move out. And it allowed me to really save enough money to to buy a home down in the future which we did recently right i was able to put that money away and and pay for a wedding in cash you know which not a lot of people are able to do right because you know those sense of you know i didn't really have a sense of entitlement of staying at home but my parents felt entitled to allowing me to stay home because it kept me closer to them as well yeah yeah, so there's a variety of different circumstances and a variety in uh, different ways in which you, you it can all play out. But I, li- I do like what you said about like empowering your parents' decision. Uh, I think that also ends up coming under our responsibility. Absolutely. But knowing yourself too, because like p- me personally, I know to to do well, I need a lot of support. I need a lot of help. I need a lot of ongoing counseling, mentorship, discussion. Without that, you know, one, one withers and maybe that's true of everybody. We all need community. We all need different people in our lives to serve different purposes. Yeah, no, you're right. For sure. 
you know, one of the things that I was thinking about was just a, tr- a positive way to really use entitlement. And uh, one of the things that I really I like thought it. about was education. I think everybody should be entitled mm-hmm. to having a good education. You know, I know there's countries all around the world that, you know, make education um a very important part of a, ch- a child's upbringing. And also you, free or low cost in some cases. Absolutely, yeah. You know, exactly what I was about to say. A lot of times they're free or super low cost or, or um, you know, they take care of... Uh, you know, the, the breakfast, that's also part of it, right? You know, it's not that they're entitled to getting a breakfast, these kids, but they make it a part of the education system because they really want these kids to thrive and take something from the education and go, uh, you know, education system and go make something of themselves, right? Now, I know not everybody's going to take advantage of that either, you know, because nope. there are a lot of times people don't want to... Uh, take things that are free. Some people, when you pay for something, they 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 take it and use it more than something that's free, right? It's like yeah. same concept of giving away a free course online. You know, how many people are going to read it? How many people put real value to it and are going to use it versus putting out a course for maybe $100 and then, you know, how many people are going to use that course because the more money you got to put towards something, the more likely you are to use that to potentially, you know, guide your life in the right direction as well. And this is, I mean, this would be a pretty expansive subject on education where, you know, even if education was free, if they're just training people to be factory workers, it's a fairly outdated model, but that's still kind of what we have more or less in North America, unless you take some alternative routes. We're not focused on people skills, budgeting, anxiety management, leadership. Uh, solving interesting problems like mm-hmm. things you can't just learn on Google. That's right. <laughs> we don't we don't talk about those kinds of things. So to me, it seems like that's where the focus of education should be. But I, I I like that idea. I like the idea that everybody should be entitled to some kind of education. You know, we've benefited in ways maybe we don't even recognize. Like I feel like the number one thing I learned from high school is typing, but that isn't to say you know there weren't other valuable things from high school. Absolutely. You know, um, the, the other thing while you, were ch- while, you, while you were just chatting here, David, one of the things I thought about is, you know, our library system too. It's part of our education system, right? True. I mean, at this age, I'm 38 years old right now, and I still go to the library to get some books when I, you know, when I want to just quickly learn something about a topic, just to start reading about it, just to see if I'm going to even have any interest in that topic. So I'll go to the library, pick up a couple books and see if that's kind of what I want to learn, right? Because if it's not what I want to learn, I really don't feel like it's a it's a smart move to go and invest two hundred, three hundred dollars in buying these books to then oh, say, textbooks. ah, you know, it's not necessarily something I want, man. You know, I just spent two hundred bucks and I got to try to sell them on, sell them to somebody else on, particularly on Amazon or something as a used book, right? So, it, you know, if we take advantage of the of our systems that we do have in place, I know Calgary a couple of years ago um, made the library uh, card free. So, you know, and then mm-hmm. I look at it and say, well, how many people are taking advantage of that as well, right? Now that we have the internet, it's just like less. Yeah, you know, it, it is, right? It is a little less, but it is harder to read full books, every single full book on the internet as well, right? Especially uh, depending on the topics that oh, you're looking is. to you learn, Oh, it is. You can't right? find them all necessarily. That's right. Yeah. My, my last point about this, and I think it really ties in with everything I've already shared is awareness. Like how aware are you of how you're coming across to others? We've talked about endorsements in an earlier episode. Well, so like, are you an endorsable person? Cause if you're not <laughs> like people aren't going to get behind you. Right. And what does an endorsable person mean? Like to me, it means a person 
that's honest and transparent and somebody of integrity and somebody that has value to share with the world, uh, that that's somebody that's endorsable. That's somebody that will be given opportunities. Meanwhile, somebody that has this air of arrogance, this air of, well, I should just be given it may not, you know, you might have some, you're still going to have some opportunities. As long as you're alive, there'll be some opportunities, but you're not necessarily going to get the same ones and you're not necessarily going to get more. So no, you're right. And you know, what, what are some things you think, what do you feel, David, that you could do there to, to kind of, um, maybe feel less entitled with that? Well, I think what we've covered earlier about journaling, meditating, asking yourself better questions. <laughs> it's hard to do that from the, from the place that you are, because you might not know what that better question is. And so reaching for it, it, it might be difficult. But I think if you think carefully about who you're interacting with and how you're coming across. And you know what, if you have absolutely no idea and you're just like, yeah, like, I don't know, I'm just me. So, okay. Ask friends, ask all of your friends and get them to be brutally honest and don't take their first answer. Just be like, no, no, no. Tell me honestly, how am I coming across? Who am I to you? And then I think you'll start to get some answers that make sense. Yeah, you're right. You know, and I've gone out and done that too before where I've gone to people is like, Hey, tell me what you honestly think about me. You know, I think it's a great question to ask. And I, I did want to know because I needed to know how I was coming off to people, right? You know, was I coming yeah. off, uh, you know, like a like a jackass or was I coming <laughs> off as a good person, right? I really wanted, wanted to know, and maybe it was a little bit to feed my ego, but, you know, it was really, what I don't think it was coming from that place, but I really wanted to know on ways to improve myself. So I didn't feel that, you know, I, I, I had to... Um, you know, do certain things in a way that I was already doing. Maybe they could give me some clarity on a, a different path I could take because I was able to improve myself, right? Uh, by asking that question to them, I did become more aware that, you know what, I'm overthinking it. I, I am a good person and that's, you know, and I did ask those additional deeper questions saying, you know, be honest and open with me. Why do you feel that way? You know, give me an example of what I've done to, you know, um, make you think that. You know, give me that example. I want to know what did I do? How And in that, they'll tell you maybe how you impacted them as well. And you can see that positiveness, hopefully yeah. within yourself to be more aware of that too. It might not be a bad exercise in also determining your strengths and weaknesses as well. So you ask your friends, what do you see me as being good at? Now, I don't see that as being like the best question all the time because you need to get many answers, I think, to get a proper answer and also like it depends on the people like people might give you really dumb silly stupid answers that that aren't helpful in any way so if they're not people that you respect or trust then you can't also trust them to give you the answers that you need and that's where it gets really difficult but in general i think it's also a good exercise to go like what are my strengths what 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 value do i add to you what's good about me and what i'm doing for the world and that I mean, that's good from the perspective of your jobs, your opportunities, your freelancing work, your business, whatever it is you're looking to do. Right. You know, the the last thing I wanted to talk initially about was ego, David. But yeah. uh, I decided to take that off and I actually wrote down something else instead. Um, ego, I think it's such a, a huge topic. I, I don't think we would be able to cover everything we want to just cover about that topic and the in the last point that we have remaining. Uh, so instead, what I wrote was entitlement through society's 
what we see in society, hmm. right? So a lot of what we see in society these days is dictated by the news. It's dictated by music. It's dictated hmm. by celebrities. A lot of know, media. And, yeah, you know, and we feel entitled to having everything that you know especially in music you know that these mu- these people that are making music right so i love hip-hop music and you know i don't listen to it as much as i used to listen to it anymore but i still do enjoy the occasional song here and there but if you listen to a lot of that music what is it saying right i have this big house i have this chain i have this fancy car i have this crazy painting on my wall i have you know the the flyest girl that you know in all of the the world you know she's my wife or she's my girlfriend or you know i'm i'm spending so much money you know just in the clubs and on strippers or whatever they're doing in this music right and it gives you a sense of hey if someone else is able to do it then i should also be doing that you know but without some people realizing these people have worked for it you know they have worked yeah. for it they've put the music potentially the industry's feeding them the money to go look like they're you know they've earned it i don't know but you know that sense of entitlement because a celebrity also is out there and they have a big house and you know you're being influenced by what you see right so it is important to you know make sure you understand who you're being influenced by so then you can understand what your um, influence is and then why you should or should not feel uh, entitled by what they have. Yeah, and I think to me that's also a question of like identity. So who are you and what are you actually good at? Like you watch a... Uh, you watch a star in a music video and go, oh, well, that's what I need to do. It's like, no, what you want is maybe their fame or what you want is maybe their money or what you want is maybe the girls that they're surrounded by. And that might actually be a completely different trajectory than becoming the next hip hop star. And so to me, like you can, you can do many different things to accomplish fame, fortune, wealth, popularity, you know, whatever it is that you're after. There's many different roads to it. You got to find what you're good at. Stop looking at what other people are good at. And, and that can also definitely t- tie into this whole thing of entitlement as well. And not to like poke too much fun at them. I think what they've done is they have actually cultivated the ability to be watched is like Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian. We, we don't necessarily know that they have any other discernible talents, but we do know that they're fun to watch and that's why people watch them. You know, David is very true. And, you know, as we're talking about TV and stuff, a lot of times, you know, in North America, in Europe, uh, you know, countries that have, you know, first world and second world countries, we're very entitled by what we see happening in society. If you look at what's happening in third world, countries you know a lot of people they're just happy with what they have you know they don't necessarily have this sense of entitlement to wanting a cell phone you know we're paying six seven eight hundred dollars for cell phones you know because we feel we, we we're allowed to have these things or we should have these things right right but you know someone in a third world country just wants some water you know something so simple that we take for granted they don't you know, take for granted. They, if they can walk to a well to get that water, they don't have that sense of entitlement. It's just, it's a need, right? We have been born into, you know, at least myself, I'm very happy. My parents left, you know, India, came here to give my sister and myself a better life, right? So they automatically, I have this sense of entitlement because they came to this country to make my life and their life better right where if they had stayed in india my sense of entitlement may be different than it is today as well 
Well, it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which I overheard somebody talking about the other day. And I don't think it's totally an accurate model. That's true. But I think there there is some truth in it. There is some reality, semblance of reality in it, which is this idea, you know, we need we need shelter, we need food, we need and once those basic needs are taken care of, then we have this something that is prevalent in North America, but might be a luxury for other people, which is thinking about what we want to do with our life. Cause our base needs are almost always covered. We have an abundance of food. We have an abundance of shelter and it's not that we don't have homeless people. It's not that we don't have people that choose other lifestyles, but if you want it, it's not that hard to get in a sense. No. And you know, like we were talking about earlier about government help and government assistance, right? Because we have those programs in place to help people who can't help help themselves, right? Yes. I mean, you go to any third world country, I don't, you know, I've never, haven't been to really, really poverty, poverty. A third world country. Yeah, I've been to in like, you know. <laughs> or, or like a place of poverty. Yeah, poverty. That's what I was looking for. I haven't been to places where they're completely, like, you know, you'll see on the TV and stuff like that. You'll see on like World Vision commercials, right? Oh, yeah. I haven't been to that type I've been seeing a lot of, more of those on yeah. TV lately. You know, I haven't been there. But, you know, I've been to countries where, in India and stuff, where poverty is pretty bad. You know, but there are still a lot of middle class wealthy people as well, right? So sometimes poverty can get missed in between all the the day-to-day activities of what we see as well right so and then you don't think about what these other people are going through instead you're only thinking about yourself and that's again a little bit of that ego thing that i didn't really want to get into right now but you only think about yourself and and not really focus on what's happening in other people's lives as well yeah and i think it's a multi-layered problem you know there's a lot of good things happening with social entrepreneurship with you know countries helping other countries with charities and nonprofit organizations but that's just one layer to the whole thing and we also have to consider like how much assistance is too much assistance that's not actually helping them or motivating them if they're just handed food then then that needs covered and thank you very much you know <laughs> they're not motivated to do anything else necessarily or they don't know that like they don't have because they don't have the same privileges we have in North America where we get to think deeply about who we are what we want to do and what we're good at and and it's just about shelter and food there so it's it's a multi-layered problem and not one we can solve just by giving I wish it was and no. if it was just about giving, I'm sure we would have solved that problem in like the last four or five, six decades. Right. No, you're right. And, you know, the more we as people keep giving to problems that we see out there, it's funny. I, I saw something the other day um, that said, you know, we've been giving money to cancer for you know, the last 20, 30, 40 years to find that cure to cancer. But instead, what we have is no cure. In 40 years, they haven't been able to find a cure, you know, and is it, is it, uh, some other agenda behind it i don't know you know but if people keep giving multiple millions of dollars a year to something that supposedly can't be cured people aren't going to stop giving to it yeah i think it's more likely that there is a cure and just there's an agenda and pushing it down and keeping it secret yeah no i agree with <laughs> or you there are sure. multiple cures even yeah probably 
you know, and and there's a lot more money to be made, right? And then even these companies that these pharmaceutical companies, you know, just going a little bit back, do have a sense of entitlement as well, because, you know, they've done all the research to put out whatever drug they're trying to push on you. And they want to get their money out of it, right? Because they feel entitled that they should be making billions of dollars. You know, they've made billions of dollars before, and they want to continue making the same, if not more than what they've done before, right? Because no company, even a small business owner or a large business owner wants to make less than what they made the month before, the day before, you know, or the year before, right? Everybody wants to make more and more and more. So they can take that investment and put it back in their business or put it into things that they want to do maybe to help people as well. Well, every industry that probably has a history of making huge profits wants to keep it that way. Yeah, That's why we hear about like recession here in Calgary is because people want to keep the oil and gas industry profitable and making huge revenues year after year after year. And that might have certain consequences and implications for, for example, the electric car, which, you know, isn't necessarily the best option or the best alternative yet because an electric car can also produce uh, harmful pollutions in the air and stuff like that so right and well, with, with that said uh, David I think uh, it's probably time to wrap up so what are maybe uh, one key point that you or one or two key points that you really want uh, our listeners to focus on today well I would like everyone to think about this issue of entitlement from their own perspective you know, we can't tell you whether or not you're entitled and we're not going to tell you that whether or not you're entitled. I think it would be presumptuous of us to do that. So really you need to self examine and figure out why, if you feel that you are deserving of certain privileges or special treatment, you you need to think about why that is and what, what, what part of upbringing, what part of your attitude, what part of your expectations or even awareness is factoring into those things and then have a close look at them. Ask, you can ask your friends, you can really dig deeper into yourself. You can mirror yourself back to yourself by using like a a journal or meditation. And then if you are finding that you're entitled in certain areas, how could you tweak your thinking for it to be more productive? How could you tweak your thinking to go, hmm, well, I feel entitled to that, but like, what can I actually do? Like, what if I, if I want this girl, what can I do to become the kind of person that she would like? You know, those are the kind of things that we need to, I think, begin thinking about. Right on. You know, one of the things that I feel that our listeners should uh, consider at least is um, just being able to use what is available to us. Uh, For example, like I said, the library, reading books and using those things, you know, it, it is a sense of entitlement. If you know how to read and you don't read then you're wasting your your ability to learn something that maybe you can help other people with, uh, you can better yourself through, you can educate your kids with and help them learn as well, um, you know. But if, if you if you waste those talents, then, you know, I'm sure there's millions of people around the world that would love to know how to read just as well as we do, uh, be able to speak on a microphone just like we do, you know. And, and if we don't take that and, and use it, then, you know, I think we should u- lose that ability to do it as well Hmm. yeah well it's interesting because you know the stats show that very people do use that ability beyond college so (laughs) that's a really great point absolutely 
Well, you've been listening to Using Your Power. We've been talking about entitlement and the various facets of it. We hope that what we've shared with you is beneficial to you and helps you to unlock your power. So go to usingyourpower.com for more. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Have a nice day.